If I can invite you to remain standing, our scripture reading comes this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The, ki- the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands. For those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. It's good to be here with you all this morning as we are worshiping together. This morning we're in our second Sunday of the current sermon series. A look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 8 and the parable of the sower. Uh, Last week we began this series by looking at the ministry of Jesus and spending our time in the first three verses in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, where Luke takes some time to talk and to explain to us and to share with us the spread of the Gospel of Jesus. Luke wants us to get an idea. He wants us to get a picture. He wants us to know and to see how far the words of Jesus are reaching. And so he's told us about the disciples, and so now he tells us intentionally who else is traveling with Jesus. Luke 8 is roughly halfway through the Gospel of Luke. And so Luke wants us to know and to see that there are others who are traveling. It's not just the disciples. It's not just crowds who are seeking Jesus out as he goes from town by town. But Luke also is intentional in naming women who had become part of the the traveling companions of Jesus and naming the disciples. And so we read names where along with the twelve of women like Mary Magdalene who has been freed by demons In her newfound freedom, she's choosing to follow Jesus. We read the name of Joanna, the wife of Cusa. And Joanna is important because she shows us the degree by which the the message of Jesus is reaching people in all places and in all classes. Because Cusa was the manager of Herod Antipas' household. And so it gives us insight, it gives us a picture, it gives us knowledge that Jesus' message is not just among the working class, it's not just among the farmers and the fishermen and others that we read about in the Gospels, but it also tells us that Jesus' message is going through all social classes. And so these women are hearing the Gospel, their lives are being changed. The disciples are hearing the Gospel, their lives are being changed. And they're traveling together and they're witnessing miracles and they're hearing about teachings and they're supporting the ministry of Jesus with their own financial resources. And so we saw last week, and we see in Luke's gospel before he delivers this parable, 
about how far Jesus' message is going, how far it is reaching, and who it is touching. It's touching everybody. And then he says this. In Luke chapter 8, 18, it says, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. See, I think Luke, as we read the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, wants us to listen, as they did. He wants us to see, he wants us to consider, and then he wants us to decide in the same way that the disciples did, and these women did, and in all of the others who followed Jesus. Their hearts, their minds, their lives are being changed by the gospel. This very gospel that you and I have the opportunity to listen to, to read for ourselves, and to encounter as we study the parables and as we read all four of the gospels. So this morning I want us to look at the parable of the sower. I think I mentioned last week that if you read different biblical scholars, some of them uh, refer to this parable as the parable of parables. And the reason for this is this parable is included in three of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in Mark 4, Jesus tells the crowds this. When he was alone, the tw- or it writes this, uh, when he was alone, the twelve of the others around him asked him about the parables. And then Mark says that Jesus said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand? How will you understand any parable? So Jesus gives them this explanation of why he talks in parables, and then he says, don't you understand it? And if you don't understand this one, essentially, how are you going to understand any of the parables? Because this parable, if we read it, is key to our understanding of the teachings of Jesus, to our understanding of the ministry of Jesus, to our understanding of how Jesus has commissioned us and given us the call and the charge of followers of him to spread the gospel of of Jesus Christ. It's key to understanding his teachings. It's key to understanding what he means when he talks to us about the kingdom of God and how we are to A, receive it, B, participate in it, and C, share it with other people. It's how it's key to how we allow his words to influence who we are, to change our hearts, to change our lives. And that's why in Luke 8, 8, he says, let those who have ears hear and let them hear. And so I want us to consider this parable the next couple of weeks. Because what we have to do is we have to be ready to receive the word of God. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit's prompting and we have to be in the word So that when we are hearing others speak of the word, we're not being misled. I think it's easy for us to forget that that whenever we read the Bible, whenever we engage in worship, whenever we uh, study the word, or whatever we're considering doing it, there's a spiritual battle over our hearts and minds of priorities and what it means for us to receive the word of God, what it means for us to take it in, what it means for us to, to immerse ourselves into what God is saying and God is doing in our lives. And so we have to be on our guard. We have to be prepared to receive it. And we have to look and we have to see the ways that Jesus himself warns the disciples that we have to be aware so that we can hear and so that we can listen to God's word. So as we read this parable and as we have read it, 
It's easy for me to see Jesus sitting on a mountainside somewhere and to form a picture in my mind that I think Jesus wanted his listeners to see as he was giving these words. Who knows, Jesus may have given this parable sitting on a hill looking over a field where a farmer is sowing his crop. And so Jesus is not just telling this parable, but can't you see Jesus also indicating the place to his parable for his listeners to look over and to go, oh, well, that's what he's talking about. Or if they're not getting it, because Jesus said not everyone gets his parables, then they're looking over and they're going, well, yeah, the farmer's planting his field. What does that have to do with, with following you? And so can't you see him as he's talking about a sower indicating a sower? Someone who's got a bag of seeds slung over his, his body and he's casting it out. As Jesus talks about a pathway, can't you see people looking down at their feet, at the hardened ground that they've been walking on themselves, the packed earth? Or looking across a field and seeing the strip where nothing is growing because it, it's the barrier between fields where the people have had to, to, pack, to use? Or he talks about the sower. Just how the seed is being cast as evenly as possible. The path, the birds, the rock, the germination, the, the withering, the thorns, whatever it is. And then after he finishes, Jesus asks what he meant. The disciples say, can you tell us what you mean by saying these things? And so he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the paths are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root and they believe for a while, but in time of testing they fall away. The seed that stands for thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a notable and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and produce a good crop. So today I want us to think about how we're the first example in this parable. How are we like the pathway? How are we like the pathway where the birds come down and quickly uh, gather the seed once it's landed on the soil? I think we have to look and, and think it's not necessarily that the birds, I mean, part of it is the birds coming down and eating the seed, but I think part of it is knowing the conditions for why. The Word of God is not landing and the Word of God is not taking and being taken in when it, when it falls on our hearts. Because our hearts can be hardened when it comes to the Word of God, just like how the pathway becomes hardened to the seed being sown on it. And I think the, the example of a pathway when Jesus gives it is a really good one for us to think about how we prepare ourselves to receive the Word of God. I think the first thing we need to note in this parable is Jesus is not critical that there's an existence of a pathway in the field, is he? I mean, he's not criticizing uh, how it's being done. I think it's a given whenever you're farming, especially in those times when people were casting seed by hand and having to access the field by foot and doing all those things, I think it's a given that there's a pathway in the field. There has to be. Otherwise, people are going to be walking around randomly and they're going to be trampling the crop and, and even more of the crop's going to be lost. So I think it's important for us to note and for us to realize that Jesus isn't saying that the existence of a pathway is a bad thing. I don't think he's criticizing the farmer for, for having that. 
I think it's a given. As the farmer needs the pathway to access the field, they need to work the field, and then depending, if your neighbor's field's next to you, you want the pathway there so that their stuff doesn't get into your stuff, right? But I think what he wants us to see is even with that given, where the sower sows the seed, even in the places that, that the seed is not going to take. It's pretty much a given that the seed's not going to grow on the pathway, especially if it's what you want to grow there. Of course, the weed's going to grow there because weeds grow everywhere they're not supposed to. But the sower sows the seed on the good ground, covering as much as possible, knowing that seed is even going to fall on the areas that it's not going to grow. But he wants to do that so that he can make sure that all of the good is covered. Because he wants the best harvest possible. And so it's easy for a pathway to form and for the ground to become hardened. I mean, it's like if you look in your backyard, you know, and, and you let your dog out, and the dog creates a pathway, right, in the grass usually? You know, where, well, our dog doesn't do that anymore because he doesn't really walk. But, um, but, you know, but you look out and you can tell where the dog goes across the yard, goes and does this, walks the back fence, and then comes back to the porch or whatever it is. That's the same thing with the farmer, right? Because the pathway can happen even when we are doing, even when the farmer is doing all of the good things, all of the right things to produce a harvest. And I think that's the comparison that we make when it comes to our spiritual lives and when it comes to our souls and when it comes to our hearts. Because it's easy for our own hearts to become hardened to the Word of God even when we are doing the right things. We can be going through the motions to make sure we check off all of the things that we've placed on our list for our spiritual life. We can read our devotional and our scripture we can participate in worship. We can help others. Our hearts can still become hardened even when we're doing everything right that we're supposed to be doing if we're not attentive to it and, we're not, and if we're not intentional in the way that we're doing it. See what I mean? Our hearts can be hardened just like the farmer, you know, the pathway's created and the farmer's doing everything right. He's producing a good harvest. It just happens. And I think what Jesus is saying is like the word of God falling to those whose hearts are like a path. Is he saying for those that are doing all of the right things, but they're not, or they're losing their, their intentionality. We're losing our intentionality. And so he's saying you got to be on guard against that. So that when the word of God falls on your heart, when the word of God comes to you, you're receptive to it. You're ready to receive it. You're prepared to receive it. Because it can happen even when we're doing all of the right things. But it can happen when we're not being intentional about how we're doing all the right things. <clears throat> like I've shared with y'all. Um, uh, so Katie and I, you know, we've been doing the devotional online again, right? Whatever this year's is. So the Bible in a year. And um, a couple weeks ago or no, it was a few days ago. Golly, it feels like a blur. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you do version and you do the Bible devotionals, what they do is, is you click, click Bible plan and you open it up and then it gives you your scripture or your devotional at the top and then scripture, 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 however many there are. And then at the bottom it says notes. And so a couple of weeks or a few days ago, I did the, the devotional, I read the scripture, 
I read the scripture, I clicked the arrow next, I clicked the arrow next, I clicked the arrow next, so I'd read all three or four scriptures that there were for the day, and then guess what I didn't click the arrow for for the notes? And so I came back the next day and it said, you've missed a day. And I thought, no I didn't. <laughs> and then I went back and looked, it was because I didn't click next, the arrow next on the notes. And initially I got really irritated about it, but then I got to thinking about today's sermon. And I got to thinking to myself, oh, wait, I'm doing all the right things, but if I'm going to get irritated that I don't have my check mark next to the day and I'm now one day consecutive instead of 368, then I'm doing things for the wrong reason, right? And so all of a sudden I, I felt convicted because I thought to myself, it, I did the devotional. I prayed, I read the scripture. I read the devotional, I took time to consider it, and I just forgot to hit the arrow at the end. Does that negate everything that I've done? Apparently on my YouVersion Bible app, yeah. But when it comes to us, does it negate what we've done? See, friends, we can be doing all the right things. And our hearts can still become hardened if we're not intentional and we're, if we're not attentive, attentive in the way that we do it. Our hearts can be hardened. When we get to focusing on that countdown clock or that timer or whatever it is, the, the counter that tells us how many days we've consecutively done the word. And we make that the thing that we look at and the thing that we focus on. As opposed to, reali to realizing and to recognizing that, that where God wants us at is God wants us in his word. And he wants us meeting him where we are and where he are and where he is. So that we're doing more than just going through the motions to make sure that we're checking the things off in the list for our spiritual life. We can do all the right things. And we can detach the truth when we do all the right things. And we can find our hearts hardened. To where we're hardened towards what God is doing, toward what God is saying, and toward how God is working in our lives. I think our hearts can also become hardened when we become complacent to what we're doing or indifferent to what we're reading and hearing. Our hearts can become hardened when maybe we're reading Scripture that, that is actively challenging us. And so rather than, than, than stepping back and, and saying, all right, Lord, I'm being challenged by this scripture. What it is it that you want me to see? What is it that you want me to receive? What is it that I'm supposed to, to receive today? We become hardened and we become defensive and we push it away from us. And we resist the truth that we know that the word of God is bringing us. But I think there's also a risk of being hardened just in becoming so familiar with the scripture that we resist its application for ourselves. And instead, it's easy for us to, to focus on, on how the Word of God should be applied to others and not for us. And here's the thing, is only you can answer that question for yourself because my heart becomes hardened if I start determining how you're reacting and, and you're uh, connecting to the Word of God in your life, right? I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. But what you can do is you can ask yourselves the question, have I allowed my heart to become hardened to God's word? That's your answer. In what ways, if it is hardened, have I allowed it to become hardened? 
Or maybe how am I resistant to the Word of God? So that when I read it, I don't take it in. It sits on the pathway like the seed, and the birds come in and they quickly snatch it away so that I'm not able to consider it or to ponder it or even to think about it. Or maybe the last one would be, how often have I walked the path? So I've hardened myself to what God is doing because I'm familiar with it. I don't know, any one of those questions are, are yours to ask and yours to answer. Because part of our hardness is us. It's how we approach the Scripture. It's how we pray the Scripture. It's how we prepare ourselves to receive the Scripture. It's how we allow ourselves to become familiar with the Scripture. It's when we're not intentional. and It's when we're inattentive to what God is doing and saying. And so what's our action? Our action is to ask ourselves how God can till the soil of our hearts to break up the hardness and to prepare us to receive His Word each and every day. I don't think it has to be a huge thing. It doesn't have to be a huge thing for us to ask God to till the soil of our hearts, to break up the hardness, and to prepare us to receive His Word. The first thing you have to do is you have to pray. We have to pray as we read the Scripture that God is going to open our hearts and our minds so that we're ready to receive His Word. Just a simple prayer. It doesn't have to be this huge, eloquent prayer. But we just invite God to open our minds, our eyes, our hearts to His Word and and to His leading as we open His Bible and as we put ourselves in a position where we're ready to receive. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be fancy. It does have to be a prayer of submission and a prayer of invitation. It can be something as easy as this. God, I submit to you and for what you have in your Word for me today. I invite your Holy Spirit to open my eyes, to open my heart, and to open my mind so that your word is received and works in and through me. Amen. Doesn't have to be huge, but what it does is invites God to break up the hardness of our hearts so that we're ready to receive. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to, to meet God where he is at and where the word of God is at and where we're at. The second thing that we have to do is we have to realize that whenever we are engaging in the Word of God, we're engaging in in spiritual battle. The evil doesn't want you immersing yourself in God's Word. He doesn't want you reading Scripture. He doesn't want the Scripture uh, becoming a part of you in your life. And so in his explanation on the parable of the soils and the pathway and the birds, Jesus says those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they cannot believe and they will not be saved. The devil is the birds that come and eat the seed before it can take root. This is what happens when we read the scripture, when our hearts are hard and we don't have the right condition to allow it to to sit in us. And so we may read the Word of God and then something else comes up and the next thing you know, you're thinking about something else. Or you're off doing some other thing and you don't ever come back to it. We have to work to be intentional in making our hearts prepared for the living water to come and to be given to us. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it's the source of life. It's the source of life because it's through our heart that God works that God teaches, that God reaches, and that God changes us. The prophet Ezekiel says this. You know, he's prophesying to a people that, the people of Israel are in great turmoil, they're being conquered, all of these things are happening, and he says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. 
I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful and keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be my God. Friends, this is the promise that God has made that he is going to do and this is the fulfillment that Jesus has done so that we can do it. To give us an undivided heart and to receive a new spirit. And for us to be prepared to receive it in the way of the parable of the sower today, we have to ask God, how do you break up the hardness of my heart? We have to pray for God to open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes so that whenever we receive his word, whenever we read his word, we're prepared to receive it. And then we have to get in the word of Jesus. Because it's only through God's word that our hearts are changed and our lives are transformed. It's only through the word of God that we know what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, that we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and that we know that whenever we are in it, he will meet us there. Amen.